Hi, this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the National Tsunami podcast. We are offering two conversations from this week's preview of International Nash Day 2021. In this conversation, Donna Cryer goes into greater detail about some of the key topics and issues that Nash Day will focus on and discusses Global Liver Institute's growth and ambitious future plans. It is impossible for me to listen to Donna without having her energy and enthusiasm light me up. I hope you have the same experience. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups. Every week, a global community of fatty liver disease stakeholders comes together to explore the most important challenges in diagnosing, treating, and developing medications for patients with fatty liver diseases. Join hepatology researcher and key opinion leader Dr. Stephen Harrison, liver wellness advocate Louise Campbell, pricing and forecasting guru Roger Green, and this week's guest, Global Liver Institute President and CEO Donna Cryer, to preview International NASH Day, which will be Thursday, June 10th, today on the Surfing the NASH Tsunami. Podcast. So, Stephen, as someone who's been involved with this program for a long time, what makes you most excited about 2021 that we've not gotten to yet? What are the program elements that you find most intriguing? And, well, stay there. I'll ask you two questions at once instead of three. I like the signature that Donna and her team are putting on International Nash Day. You know, it's getting the attention it deserves. And I'm not meaning the day is getting the attention. I'm talking about the time, energy, and effort that it takes to put together something on this scale of this magnitude with this degree of emphasis is not something that, you know, is trivial. It it takes an incredible amount of effort and teamwork and thought and cohesiveness to do. And there probably aren't very many people that could pull that off the way Donna and her team have. If you just look at the number of symposia, if you will, that have been pre-recorded and will be ready for Nash Day from a wide range of key opinion leaders in the field spanning multiple different fields of expertise, I think just speaks to that a little bit. And just thinking about where this can go and how it advanced the field is mind-boggling. I mean, just this notion that you were mentioning about genetic risk, as we begin to develop polygenic risk scores for this disease to really get after that at-risk population, and not just the at-risk population for NASH, but the at-risk population for rapidly progressive NASH, and the at-risk population for HCC development, hepatocellular carcinoma development, that's huge. And speaking of hepatocellular carcinoma, we know the link to liver cancer is very clear, it's very evident, and that doesn't get enough press either. So using this as a platform to not only advocate for education around NASH, but around the comorbidities that exist within that sphere, the penumbra, if you will, around that to include hepatocellular carcinoma amongst other problems is a huge opportunity. As we expand through different languages into different cultures, this just becomes more and more evident and a platform to disseminate that degree of information. And it's not just to doctors, it's to patients as well, whether you're pharma or you're academic or 
your industry in another vein, maybe you're a device manufacturer or developer of non-invasive testing strategy, or your Congress, you should all be getting behind International Nash Day because we're all going to benefit at the end of the day in delivering this message to our patients and getting them the workup that they need to determine their risk. And as we develop drugs for this disease, we'll be able to target those patients more directly. So it's all part of the, the process, but it starts with disease awareness. You know, you could have the best therapy on the planet for a disease, but if you can't identify the patients or the patients don't come forward, it does us no good. First of all, Stephen, thank you so much. And my team will rejoice in the recognition. It does take a village that's sort of underestimated to put how much time and how far in advance and how many people are part of this to pull all of it together as it expands. And, you know, one of the things I'm most excited about is our commitment to creating shareable, bite-sized versions of the content that's being created to be able to be pulled through in, in social media or other websites we have a growing number of media partnerships, to your point in oncology, with various oncology magazines and websites like blackdoctor.org that communicate more directly with different minority communities. And so as we can not only you know, create this content, but really be thoughtful and have the staff available to cut it and repurpose it and really fully leverage it and amortize it over every type of platform and, and way that we can get it to people. And you're right, primary care physicians is a key audience for us. Endocrinologists, certainly we have an action plan for, as well as nurses and gastroenterologists and certainly supporting all of our beloved friends in hepatology, who, you know, certainly we don't want to have to... Come on, don't forget us. I don't forget you. I just want to make sure you are not swamped with the tsunami of NASH patients, that there is a whole clinical army that is diverse and multidisciplinary waiting and ready to support you because hepatology can't do this alone. And there aren't enough hepatologists. We definitely want to make more. I talk to every medically interested child who passes my way and I'm like, don't you want to be a hepatologist? At the end of the day, they really want to be. They really want to be a hepatologist. Deep down inside in places sometimes people don't want to talk about. <laughs> I'm sure that's right, Stephen. And Donna never needs validation from me on anything, but I will tell you that this is the third conversation I've been in in the last week. Donna wasn't in either of the other two and either of you folks about the need to distribute care and diagnosis and screening because the hepatology community couldn't absorb everything that's going to come out as if we're really successful. I think maybe we could learn something, therefore, from the dementia care because they have the dementia link nurses. They, here we have admiral nurses and whereby people own it themselves and disseminate that information because, yeah, we don't have enough hepatologists. We certainly don't have enough nurse specialists within liver disease. And we know how difficult it is to nurse a liver patient on the ward if you if you don't know encephalopathy. There's all sorts of intrinsic problems. And when Donna and Stephen and yourself were talking, it's about the excitement of the subjects also that aren't available on the day, like women with NASH, the development of postmenopausal NASH, all of the other realms that are just so intrinsic to these diseases, medication-induced fatty liver. We never really get to have platforms for that. And I think that's why that, we have GLI Live. Yeah. <laughs> every week. So I'm um, like, you are you are a fantastic producer and idea generator. We were putting you on the IND 2022 planning committee. <laughs> well, I'm more than happy to help. I've thrown my penneth worth in, as you know. 
it's just so unique. There are very few diseases that just have so many jigsaw pieces where everything could fit into different places. And it's a stellar lineup. And we obviously have the cult and the hostess of the cult with Vlad and that from Beyond the Biopsy. So I'm really wanting to listen to, uh, but it's bringing all of those areas together. It's great. I, I think calling Donna a hostess of the cult doesn't give her nearly enough credit. I might go for high priestess. I might go for a spiritual uh, overseer. I go a few different ways on this, but far more than hostess. Thank you. I think. <laughs> so the other thing, Donna, that, that strikes me always is always struck me about liver is that they say in B school, and I happen to have gotten an MBA at one point, that people do what's inspected, not what's expected. And the lack of really good liver testing has made this a harder thing for people to treat than other areas where they've got numbers where they know exactly what the number is, even if they're not sure what it means, like cholesterol. What will happen during the day or otherwise to help shine the light on how to help docs, particularly non-hepatology docs, understand that by treating the liver, they're doing the right thing and they're getting to a better place. We addressed that on several of the panels. And also, excitingly, that message of get screened. So if our theme is national around the world, our call to action certainly is to get screened. And my understanding is that will be on several billboards and stock exchange is around the world. So be on the watch for that. And then what does get screened mean? <laughs> we go into on some of the panels and where you know, we try to make it as, as simple as possible, but it's a complex issue as we all know. So if this year is expanding exponentially from last year mm -hmm. and the year before, and this year's theme is Nash around the world. Next year, are you planning a flag on the moon, going to Mars? What's the plan? Hey, you know, there's a space force now. And so who knows? I mean, you could get Nash in route to Mars if you have to be confined for three months, you know, so who knows? Who knows? I can just envision, you know, if you're putting this on the New York Stock Exchange message board, where where are we likely to see the little logo for International Nash pop up? You're going to have like a Geico equivalent uh, lizard kind of guy. What are we doing? Yeah, so I'd like to see the White House maybe in Burgundy by fall or October, certainly in recognition of all liver health issues. I would love to have more, and we've talked about this a little bit, Roger, of having more IND merchandise and setting up an e-commerce store. But most importantly, I think I'd like some recognizable people, more recognizable than us, in all due respect, to be wearing that logo, to be wearing those t-shirts. We have a calling all celebrities. And, and at this point, I define them as if you have seen a red carpet. <laughs> I'll count you as a, I'll count you as a celebrity. I'm not going to quibble about Nielsen ratings or what streaming network your show is on. If you have a, you know, a connection to Nash or liver disease or just love a Nash patient or a liver patient, you are welcome to come to GLI and be ambassador spokesperson. You know, I often talk about what made a difference in the HIV AIDS community with Elizabeth Taylor and her embrace of Rock Hudson. And so I think of like that Elizabeth Taylor moment and the Elton John moment. So we have haven't really been fortunate in having someone, and I understand, you know, there's so much stigma around liver diseases as a whole. Chronic liver disease has so much stigma, and Nash certainly does, but we need someone to step up and really help to put a face around this and help us reduce the stigma so more people come forward to get tested, to be in care, and to embrace this issue. So, yeah, other ideas of what we should do next. Louise, your panel uh, ideas, I'm writing them all down, and Stephen, I thank you for raising my sights and my ambition 
for this. Well, it was interesting. On the first World Hepatitis Day, we did a virtual balloon race. And these balloons went all the way around the world. Mm -hmm. And we had them in different countries. Mm -hmm. And you had your balloon and you chased it and you did a quiz to send it Mm -hmm. and got more air and faster. Mm -hmm. It was really quite funny. I don't know how we organised it. We we had loads and loads of countries and loads of teams involved. And we gave an iPad or something or a a small gift for whoever won at the end. But it certainly generated way more attention for hepatitis than we would have done Mm -hmm. sitting in a foyer, just hitting hitting people that walk past. We did, I think we got over 2,000 balloons sent round. I think as the world opens up next year, we'll certainly have more options again. One thing that we would like to build between you know this year and next, of course, is more more digital engagement. So certainly as we are giving through this virtual culinary event, some active hands-on lessons in you know how to eat and you know options. You know, are there other ways that people can pull down those recipes or that guidance and interact? Is there a digital sort of patient-facing app that we could you know develop that better tracks Nash and other liver symptoms and how people are progressing in you know, their care plan and the intervention. So I think that there's a lot that we could do in terms of supporting patients with NASH in their day-to-day after this and also understanding how to serve them better and create different programs through the generation of data. And I I certainly think at our our patient-focused drug development meeting and the survey that's out for that, we will get the beginnings of some of that information of where we can be useful providing those types of direct tools through digital means. Okay, I'm having an aha moment. Okay. And maybe you've already had, but at least it's worthwhile having it. Have you considered using your power and influence through your organization to reach out to lifestyle intervention businesses like Planet Fitness, Lifetime Fitness, some of these national fitness organizations, gyms, Mm -hmm. CrossFit brands, to just advocate for that one day, put buyers information in the gyms for that one day to advocate for this. And, you know, the selling point would be, hey, you might get more business as a result of discussing liver disease and its consequences when not mitigated through lifestyle modification. Take it one step further. Could you go to Jenny Craig, Weight Watch, and do the same thing for that one particular day? Mm -hmm. And really just kind of see how many of these we can leverage. I absolutely think we can do that. And we have started to some degree. And I know that my shameless daily plugs about my Pelotoning are only the tip of the iceberg for that. But I, I do think that everybody who's listening to this podcast will realize that it takes people to make the calls, to design the outreach. That's where the staffing comes in. And considering that two years ago, we were just four people at GLI and now we're more, but it's more to do these things, to meet the needs of the community. And my national communications manager got stolen by the new administration. So um, I, I wish her well in her new thing, but that's exactly the type of job that we would have her do as we re- backfill that position, um, reaching out to the non-pharma brands in the health and wellness space is absolutely how we see our growth and a way to expand the awareness of this and provide tangible support for people's journey. The world should come together to prevent the next pandemic causing what it's done this time by 
health and lifestyle can help healthcare because healthcare is a reaction to illness. It's not as proactive as it should be because we've never started on that foot. The real ability, as Stephen says, wellness can help prevent the next pandemic. It can prevent the mortality. They've got a great role to play in the future developments. And obviously, I come more from a let's look early, find and change. You never should develop liver disease in a lot of areas and conditions. That's exactly where the lifestyle and wellness I still come across people going, I only thought I had two of those and I never realized it was there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so we do have to start with the basics. You have one and it's here and you can't do without it. But we did have a fantastic conversation with Dr. Stein out of Penn State Liver Center and a Nash and Exercise Research and have gone back and forth about, you know, what we would need to understand about research and exercise in this field. We developed some patient-generated questions and sent it this way. And so I look forward to collaborating on some research studies on the type of exercise, the frequency of exercise, the intensity of exercise that would make a difference in NASH and what type of information would really help someone want to get engaged. If you knew that you were a super responder to exercise, I'm like, okay, then, well, then I'm, then I'm exercising. You know, Are there questions like that that we can answer? Is lean body mass you know, a better predictor of fibrosis decrease than BMI or something? You know, those are the types of additional areas of research that we'd like to emphasize Uh, in this field. I suppose following on from Stephen's point there, major corporations, occupational health and wellness of their own employees now is taking a higher profile and obviously NASH and NAFLs particularly are rising in those populations. If I look at the mining industry in Australia, they've got a 60% rise in diabetes, heart disease and hypertension. Trucking industry, sedentary jobs, they're all on the increase. So if we're looking after our own staff, we should be wearing your NASH Day t-shirts. Yeah, I think that's right. And one of the thoughts I had listening to Stephen's question, and now to yours, Louise, is that one of the fastest ways to destigmatize the disease for people is to have their employer say, there's nothing wrong with this, and we want to help the world. And if you're one of our people and you have this, we want to help you. But that's because we want to help everybody because there's nothing wrong with having this. You know, I think that winds up being a gateway through which to make that happen. We're running kind of close to the end of our time. So let me ask uh, Donna, what one other message do you want to leave folks? with, and then I have a wrap-up question for everybody, including you. I just want everybody to register to see this and so they can participate in it and get the benefit of what my team has worked so hard <laughs> to you know to put together, what organizations and partners around the world have worked so hard to put together. So I appreciate you putting the registration link in the show notes and on the website for this podcast and on the Facebook page and everything like that and helping people reach this information. So just to let everybody know, we will also be back right after the Celebrity Chef event on June 10th with an assortment of folks from a lot of different backgrounds to talk about GLI's U.S. action plan and the role that different individuals and groups can play in that as well. So that's going to be our last piece of that day. So going around, Louis, Stephen, then me, then Donna, or then Donna, then me. The one thing you want to see in 2022 as a way that this program should expand itself. Oh, I think I I commented on mine. It's the role of rash in women as we go menopausal, the role of tamoxifen and other drugs and hormones that women go on that can cause fatty liver and and that whole polycystic ovary disease. So the intrinsic things that are solely women-related I suppose. Okay, you ready for this? Right. You know how you go to the restaurant and they won't have a menu for you, but they'll have the QR code? Mm-hmm. I want you to have a QR code that everybody can just take their phone, do it, and you get the international NASH Day details and what's going on with links to whatever they want. 
lifestyle modification, more education, where they can go to, to be evaluated, all that through a QR code. I can get you a QR code tomorrow. Where would you like to put it? Well, one place I'd like to put it is on our website, so please get it to me. Okay. I've got two, I guess, although I've lost one of them. One of them is the idea of having a lot more corporate sponsors from even outside the health base, literally with the message that goes, we're here to help our employees, because I think corporations are realizing that they are the most effective way to fight everything that's going retrograde in the society right now, and that, that would be one of them. The second is, it would really be great, these might exist, I don't know about them, if there were a much broader set of podcasts in a lot more languages that were accessible every week on this subject, and I'm not promoting myself to go do all that, because I think you need to speak the language to do the podcast, but just to try to take communication into more grassroots kind of levels and in more grassroots ways, would I think be a fantastic thing to see next year. Yeah, I think as we certainly are partner organizations in different countries, and in the same way that we have been developing, you know, and more news to come on, on our developments in the United States with our grassroots effort in building out our GLI affiliates in other countries besides the U.S. I think thinking through what's the best way to communicate in those countries, radio, podcasts, what have you, is a fabulous idea. Okay, so, so Donna, thank you so much for joining us today and Stephen and Louise and taking this opportunity for us to celebrate this fantastic event. June 10th, we've got as much information as we can get up on our website and our various locations. We hope you have enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. This week, we have launched a second episode looking at the implications of NGM Biopharmaceuticals discontinuing development of all the firmin in F2, F3 NASH. We will be back again on Wednesday, June 2nd to begin our preview of Easel's major 2021 meeting, the Digital International River Congress. I hope you'll join us then. Until then, stay safe. Surf on. See you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.